Hi guys, let me just um, lubricate the throat quickly. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, panspermia. Well, it's a creation theory and it argues that life did not originate on our planet, Sam. Interesting. Mm. But it arrived within comets, asteroids, and meteorites containing microorganisms falling to the Earth from space. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it, it is far from being a fringe theory. It has been a central feature of the scientific debate over the origin of life. Now, there's a lot of people and a lot of, I guess, commentators out there that say how life originated. Um, mm-hmm. It could be biblical. It could be religious. It could be scientific. Um, yep. But we're talking about panspermia today, Sam. Um, yes. Hey, you know, already just in that little intro, that little bite-sized uh, teaser for the rest of the episode, it, does make a bit of sense that maybe life did come from somewhere else. Mm, um, and, you know, scientists have shown that there are living microorganisms. Um, there is traces of H2O and other liquids on these things that do crash in our planet, uh, asteroids, meteorites, or comets. Um, and who's to say that something else isn't with them, some bacteria um, yep. and all that sort of stuff. And, and from there, it's just like planting a seed, you know, at high impact really wedges itself in the soil or sometimes lands in the ocean and then who knows what can come of it. I mean, you know, we've had asteroids and all these sort of things falling for millions of years mm. um, and, you know, things might take a couple of million years to develop and more well, Earth, how old is Earth? It's Earth yep. is, you know, hundreds of millions of years. So that's right, yeah. Very, very interesting, I'd say. Your yeah. thoughts? Yes, very interesting and, yeah, um, Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, you look at uh, gold, for example. Apparently, gold uh, it didn't originate from Earth. It actually originated from asteroids hitting the Earth. Oh, wow. So, um, you look at that and you think, you know, if it wasn't for those asteroids hitting the Earth, we wouldn't even have um, gold, uh, that element called gold. So, yeah, what I mean, what else could be, uh, you know, include, well, you know, inside these asteroids or attached to asteroids or even just, you know, floating in the. Um, in the vacuum of space and just, you know, um, enter the atmosphere. So no, it's very interesting. And, um, I think it's definitely worth a, a bit of a you know chat and, um, yeah, hopefully it's, uh, an interesting topic, but, uh, what about we, uh, we wind back the clock, uh, Terry, and we just, you know, get a bit of the history of, of this, uh, this theory of panspermia. All right. Yeah. I'll start it off with the history. Mm-hmm. Um, so the history of panspermia actually, um, comprised, or composed of fleeting mentions and conceptual sketches, um, I guess, you know, from the beginning of the late 19th to the early 20th century. But panspermia, let's just break it down. What does that actually mean? Well, it comes from the ancient Greeks, um, with pan meaning all, and sperma meaning seed. So there you combine the two words, and you've got um, all seed. Uh, mm. so it doesn't really uh, make too much sense there, but <laughs> I guess if you're – when you listen to the rest of the episode, it will make a bit more sense. So it, I guess the first hints of the idea came from the pre-Socratic Greek philosopher Anaxagoras um, of Clazomenae uh, between four, 500 and 428 BC. So yeah, a long time ago. And I guess back then, you know, they didn't have the old uh, TikTok apps and all this other bullshit <laughs> that's going on now to occupy our time. Instead, they just thought of... You know, these sort of interesting questions that we've all been thinking about since the start of life. What mm. started it? Yep. So since the start of it, we've been thinking about it, but we still don't know how it all originated and where it came from. Mm-hmm. We might have a few beliefs and, you know, we might rely upon a few sources, but those sources, how credible are they really? And do they have the definitive answer? Mm. Mm-hmm. Not too sure about that. 
But yeah, the uh, the pre-Socratics tended to seek rational explanations for the world around them and were more scientists than philosophers. So I actually respect that, um, mm. those pre-Socratics. So good on you, uh, guys. You know, giving some logical thinking as to maybe why things are the way they are rather than some ancient Greeks, you know, just saying, oh, it's, you know, when it thunders, it was the god of thunder, which is Zeus. <laughs> he yeah. He's the reason why, you know, he must not be happy today. So he's throwing some, you know, lightning bolts down at us or, you yeah. know, Poseidon, you know, the mythical god of uh, the ocean. You know, when he got upset, there was big waves and it was crashing, you know, mm. all that sort of nonsense and garbage back then. Um, obviously, it sort of induced a bit of creativity. But mm. these guys, very logical. And, you know, as I just said, more scientists than philosophers. So I mm. respect those pre-Socratics. Yep. Um, so the guy or guy in question that we're actually referring to, Anaxagoras, um, twice mentions seeds uh, in Greek spermata as part of the cosmos, though he does not actually clarify the word's meaning. So some scholars have actually taken to this mean that life came to earth from somewhere else and that is an essential part of reality. Mm. Interesting stuff there from the ancient Greeks. And, you know, obviously we have developed a lot from them, not only whether it's language in English um, or, you know, mathematics yep. and even some philosophies uh, to this very day. And then this is just another one of those things where I think, you know, it could stand the test of time and maybe one day, not sure now that generation or our lifetime, it could be proven to be true. Mm, very so, true. But, yeah, I mean, it is a theory and I think it's going to be a credible theory. It's going to be considered. Yeah, it's amazing um, that they sort of were thinking about those things back then as well, uh, Terry. You know, it's, it was a long time ago and um, how do they even know these things, you know? How do they, how do they have these thoughts that you know, um, matter or, you know, organisms from outer space were entering the earth. I, I don't know. It's very odd. I think they were quite intelligent back then, Sam, if you ask mm. me. Like, I mean, you look at our everyday life and just your normal Joe Blow, what are, what are they thinking about most of the day? They're thinking about, you know, um, probably what, what food they're going to eat, um, mm -hmm. bills to pay, yeah. you know, deadlines, obligations. Oh, I've got to check my work emails. Yeah. All these distractions are actually sort of, yeah, that's what they are. They're distracting yeah, our yeah. lives. They're, mm. they're giving, we, it, it's almost as if like it's given us purpose with all these little distractions and all these short-term obligations where these guys had none of that. They didn't have yeah. to worry about, um, you know, paying AGL, the electricity bill. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, the lights true. are going to go out. Now, all they have to worry about is hunt and gather their food and their water. And then mm. all the rest of the time, if they had that down packed, well, yeah they can start thinking about why things are the way they are. Yeah, that's true. And looking yeah. at the bigger picture, whereas sometimes we fail to do that. Mm. We're worrying about all these little things. Oh, those Gucci shoes look good. I want that Dior handbag. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, those Nike sneakers look sick. Like all these little materialistic things are what we actually are worrying about. Whereas yep. let's take a step back, people, and look at the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a fair point, Terry. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all about money. Yeah. Uh, in our uh, in our century in our uh, you know probably lifetime and um it's been like that for a while but yeah no it's true those those ancient greeks probably had a, a nice clean slate and didn't have a lot to worry about i guess you know you might not uh, live as long back then but hey it gives you more time to uh, just think about what you know what happened uh, you know a million years ago or whatever it is but yeah it's, yeah definitely Mm, nice. Well, we're not here for a long time, but we're here for a good time. So that's great. Yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> Over to you, Sam. Keep going yes. with the history. 
Oh, Will. Um, so panspermia began, uh, began to assume a more scientific form uh, through the proposals of a few, um, a few, you know, knowledgeable uh, researchers. So we had Johns Jacob Berzelius. Um, in 1834, uh, he, you know, continued on with the with the uh, panspermia theory, um, and then throughout history, yeah, it sort of continues to be, you know, um, looked into and and further research put into it. Um, we then had uh, Herman E. Richer um, in 1865, uh, Kelvin in 1871. The guy just has one name. He must have been, you know, pretty uh, pretty well known. Probably um, one share. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe he was yeah, just a real uh, famous philosopher. Um, oh, Kelvin. Yeah, the Kelvinator. Um, and then, yeah, uh, continuing on, we had uh, Hermann von Helmholtz. Sorry, Hermann von Helmholtz um, in 1879, and finally reaching the level of uh, detailed scientific hypotheses through the efforts of um, a Swedish uh, chemist named Svant. Arrhenius in 1903. So this has been a, a long process of, um, you know, people investigating the, this theory and uh, obviously probably, you know, adding a bit to it and uh, maybe, you know, finding a bit more information out. But um, yeah, so it's been continuing through time. Mm. So, you know, listening to all those names, maybe it could be Terry and Sam 2020. Mm, adding to right. that but um no it looks right. as if you know 150 years ago it was quite popular and quite topical and you know it was mm. discussed you, you know as mentioned by those dates by you it mm -hmm. seems as it was looked at and reviewed at every 30 or 40 years whereas yep. you know, since 1903 we haven't had too much but or have we sam mm. Well, um, we haven't had uh, probably not as much as uh, you know the 1800s there, and um, but we have had you know in, in more recent times we've had uh, a couple couple guys by well one by the name of Fred Hoyle um, and Chandara Wickramasinghe, um, yes, who were yeah they've been very influential um, proponents to panspermia. So um, yeah, moving to a more you know a recent time, a modern era. Um, in 1974, they proposed uh, the hypothesis that some dust in the interstellar space was largely organic. Um, That's fantastic. Mm, or, you know, um, in other words, containing carbon, which means it's organic. Um, and this was later pr uh, proven to be uh, correct. So, um, you know, it, it sounds like a bit of a, you know, maybe a bit of a fib um, about, you know, just saying, oh, there's some dust in the interstellar interstellar space with uh, organic matter but hey look it was uh, proven to be correct and um you know what what people maybe thought back in even the 1800s was a load of uh, garbage you know we, we moved forward and we've got some technology and um have actually you know witnessed this uh, organic matter that does uh, you know travel through space so very interesting um, it sort of gives, it gives a bit of, you know, a bit of foundation to the theory as well, because we're not just, um, you know, saying that we think there could be, um, you know, some, or an asteroid or a meteorite, um, that contains life on it, but we're, we're sort of looking at facts here, like that it's, it's true. It, it does contain, um, you know, that organic matter. So, um, it's quite so it's been tested that that yes, and it's, it's been proven. Mm, that's right. So already, just the history alone, without diving too much deep into the theory just yet, mm. already the history is proving to suggest that, um, you know, this is plausible. 
Yep. Um, yes, and then so these two, uh, these two, you know, whatever you want to call them, investigators, scientists, Hoyle researchers. And co. Yes, Hoyle and Co. Um, so they further contended that uh, life forms continue to enter the Earth's atmosphere um, as we speak, basically. Um, so at you know any time, these uh, these forms continue to enter our atmosphere, and also that they may be responsible for epidemic outbreaks, new diseases and genetic no, uh, novelty necess necessary for macro evolution. Bit of a mouthful there, but um, basically, you know, it's just given us a bit of a, uh, a bit of, you know, a bit of thought there saying, well, if this stuff's entering our atmosphere still, then what, what is it causing? Um, mm. For example, the current COVID-19 situation. Very interesting, Sam. I and, mean, you know, for us to even test if, you know, there's organic matter on there, carbon on these types of asteroids, meteorites, or comets, mm -hmm. well, we'd, the only way we could actually test it would be for one of those to actually land on Earth and then test that. So mm. clearly, it's gone through our atmosphere, yep. landed on Earth, and still exists to be have traces on it. So that means it can withstand the impact. Yep. Yeah, that's so, right. So again a lot more plausible than what people ha would um, dismiss this theory. And, mm -hmm. you know, you coming up now just saying that um, that these, you know, this sort of form of panspermia um, yep. entering our Earth's atmosphere could be responsible for some epidemic outbreaks, mm. some new diseases, and, you know, um, potentially COVID-19, which, you know, some things that are foreign to the Earth mm. or anything foreign to our body, let alone, mm -hmm. um, you know, our body starts thinking, what is this foreign substance? What's going on here? Starts yep. trying to fight it off. Yeah. But what happens if it's more chemically engineered and more advanced than our own immune system? Well, then it gets the better of us. That's so, right. Yep. Um, it doesn't have to be evil in nature, but all it has to be is just foreign. And then if we have never come across it before or never even you know, noticed it or you know, even have any relation to that because it's not from Earth, mm. then yep. – all of a sudden, it, it can become like a, I guess, an incidental poison. Mm, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. At the, on the flip side, it could also be like a little fertilizer. So not only giving us bacteria from space, but yep. also rejuvenating some things um, into Earth and, and making things a little bit more different. Yeah. Yep. Maybe... I guess, contributing to evolution. I'm not sure. That's right. Well, yeah, who's to say that, um, you know, this this organic matter that does enter our atmosphere doesn't, um, you know, sort of uh, assist with evolution of some kind of species? Like, yeah. we, don't, we don't know. We might not have found, um, well, we might think we've found, uh, you know, all the species of whatever animal we're talking about, but, you know, you, this other one might pop up and you think, oh, how, what did this, you know, what, how did this happen? You know, yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's interesting though. So, um, could be yeah. some pros and cons with pantomimia. So some things it comes with, um, could be quite beneficial to earth, yeah. providing yep. us with new species of life. That's right. Um, you know, and assisting with, you know, the growth and functioning of certain organic mm. matter on earth, but also on the flip side could actually be quite detrimental with maybe bringing some, outbreaks and diseases yep. and you know epidemics and pandemics and all mm. that sort of stuff so yeah very interesting sam uh you love your history so keep going yes i will um yeah so th uh, three series of astrobiology experiments um have been conducted outside the international space station uh between 2008 and 2015 so again we're mo moving to more um recent times um and that uh that 
experiment um, was, well, a, a widely, sorry, was a wide variety of uh, biomolecules, uh, microorganisms, and their spores um, that were exposed to the solar flux and vacuum of space for about one and a half years. So they've tested out these, you know, molecules and microorganisms and um, exposed them to uh, space for one and a half years, and they were still, you know, they were still living. So still intact. Yeah. So I mean, what? What's? To, who's to say that they weren't, you know, kind of attached to something and then travel for um, a year or or a thousand? Who knows? Um, depending on, I guess, the uh, the type of uh, organisms. But yeah, very interesting. So again, a bit more, um, you know, a bit more uh, concrete to the uh, the story here as well. Mm, solid um, foundation. Yes, that's right. And yeah, with that, uh, with that experiment, some organ, uh, sort of some organisms survived in an inactive state for considerable lengths of time as well. Um, and those samples sheltered by simulated meteorite uh, material. So you know they're basically sort of trying to attach it to something that can replicate a, a meteorite. Um, provide they actually provide them you know a lot of uh you know a lot of shelter and a lot of you know a, a higher chance of um survival yeah, of survival and obviously traveling a lot further and um yeah so very interesting and it's very interesting that you know they were carrying out these uh, experiments at the space station um i guess you know got a bit of time on their hands and uh, maybe someone told them about panspermia and they thought, yeah, actually, we might see if these uh, can, you know, s survive in space. And um, there was a story as well of, of on the International Space Station, apparently there was some kind of like sea plankton or something that was on uh, attached to the exterior glass of the uh, the space station at one stage as well. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, that's um, another weird one. And uh, obviously, you know, the Earth, is majority of the earth is is water um so there's you know massive oceans and um again like we said with uh you know animals and stuff like there's so many different species in the ocean and we're always finding different types of you know um i don't know jellyfish or fish or uh, crustaceans there's always different different uh you know breeds being found and and whatnot so maybe you know maybe this kind of plankton enters the ocean and then somehow you know fish feed on it something feeds on it and then it has a chain reaction a chain reaction from there yeah so for you guys at home what is sea plankton or plankton it's basically just organisms carried along by tides and currents of the ocean they're usually microscopic um often usually less than one uh, inch in length and you know sometimes they include larger species like crustaceans and jellyfish so you know, for that to be found on the space station suggests, well, I don't think they uh, jumped out of the ocean and, you know, left our atmosphere. We can't even bloody do that without, you know, some some serious energy. Mm. Um, I doubt that these guys would have done that as well. So maybe they came from somewhere else. Mm, that's right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, again, we're just pouring a lot of concrete to this um, to this story and this theory. So let's um, continue to pour, shall we? Yeah, we shall. Um, so in October 2018, so, you know, you've gone through a bit of the older history, but I'm going to go through some of the newer stuff. Yes. Um, so October 2018, Sam, Harvard astronomers presented an analytical model that suggests matter and potentially dormant spores can be exchanged across the vast distances between galaxies. And it's a process termed galactic panspermia Ooh. and not to be restricted to the limited scale of 
solar system. So it, it wouldn't just be, and you know, these Harvard astronomers have actually suggested and provided an analytical model mm-hmm. and suggest it's not just from planet to planet within one solar system. It could yep. be between solar systems, mm-hmm. um, and they've named that as galactic panspermia. So, mm-hmm. you know, through some of the tests that have been done on the space station and in space and even on Earth, it suggests that this bacteria is actually quite resilient um, mm-hmm. and could even, yeah, last travels from solar system to solar system, which is, you know, many, many light years away. Oh, yeah, yeah, crazy. That's, that's yeah. just wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, mind blowing. That, that was only buddy two years ago. So that's why. Right. Good as, on you, Harvard. Yeah, as we sort of you know get get you know sort of through the uh, the dark ages where we don't have a lot of uh, technology, we're sort of getting to you know really um, discover some good information. And um, yeah, I, I guess it's just you know every day we're sort of probably uh, pouring a bit more uh, foundations there to this theory. So. You yeah, you, you haven't stopped talking about concrete and pouring oh, yeah. foundations, mate. Like, you, you, you got a bit of a, a fetish there of concrete. Yeah, I love concrete. Just how, love how much have you poured concrete, already this so. episode? It's like, what are you building, a bloody uh, 30 story building or something like that? Mm, I wish. If mm. uh, anyone's a concreter out there, we're looking for a few sponsors too. So get on board. Yeah, love a good uh, cement. Mm. Okay, so yeah, and some additional one. Actually, it's the last one because it's very, very recent and we haven't done anything since this episode. Um, But in November 2019, so, you know, under a year ago, scientists reported uh, detecting for the first time sugar molecules, including ribose in meteorites, suggesting that chemical processes on asteroids can produce some fundamentally essential bio-ingredients important to life. And Sam, supporting the notion of an RNA world prior to a DNA-based origin of life on Earth, and possibly, as well as the notion of panspermia. Um, mm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, well, geez, again, it's, it just makes sense, doesn't it? It's mm. they're, they're finding they're finding a lot more um, on these meteorites, and yeah, it just makes sense that well. I mean, where did where did it come? From? Where did we come from? Where did you know? Even you know, looking at other theories and stuff, it sort of you know reinforces what they're saying. Um, you know, the the kind of transition uh, through history. But yeah, it's it's very interesting, Terry. I, I it's actually mind blowing. I think so as well. And you know, um, to find sugar, well, you know, add that into your coffee. Mm. Um, yeah, mm, nice and tastes like. Yeah, I love a bit of uh, panspermia in my cafe. Delicious. Mm. <laughs> Wonder what color it would turn my black coffee into. What? Not sure. I don't know. They reckon just one granule and that's equivalent to five tablespoons. Yeah, imagine the seeds that are being planted in my body after swallowing <laughs> that bad boy. Mm. Dangerous. Mm, very. Um, yeah, so that's a bit of history there. Um for you listeners and for us as well because i mean yeah we're we're no scientists terry that's for sure um but we really enjoy you know getting into these uh juicy topics um so we'll we'll jump a bit further into the theory of panspermia obviously we're given the history and it sort of you know outlines a a fair bit about the the theory um but let's just really you know uh make it clear so panspermia hypothesizes, oh, sorry, hypotheses propose that microscopic life forms that can survive the effect of space can become trapped in debris, ejected into space 
after collisions between planets and small solar system bodies that harbor life. So as we said, you know, um, with, you know, meteorites and that, those kind of things, um, some organisms may travel dormant for an extended amount of time before um, colliding randomly with other planets or um, intermingling with uh, proplanetary disks. So, you know, you, that makes you think as well, Terry. Well, if if it has happened on Earth, what other planets has this happened on? And yeah, exactly. You know, surely it can't be one planet that these microorganisms have uh, um, inhabited and, and we've turned into human beings. If that's the case, I'm not saying it's the case. We're not, you know, we're not here to say it definitely is the case, but how many other planets would be out there? You know, maybe we always thinking that aliens are coming here with by UFOs and all that sort of stuff, but maybe they're in a sort of a, a situation where they actually haven't developed technology to travel light years and mm. to travel from solar system to solar system yet. So yep. what they're actually doing potentially, Sam, could be, utilizing the momentum of asteroids and meteorites yep. and planting seeds on them to then transport somewhere else. So they can't direct where it's going, but they mm -hmm. thought, oh, you know what, let's just uh, sprinkle a bit of space dust on them um, from our planet and just uh, hopefully it populates somewhere else. Mm, so true. who's to suggest that another life form somewhere else in another you know, solar system didn't, you know, didn't have the technology to build spacecraft to travel light years in a really quick amount of time instead yeah. they thought well it's not going to happen in our generation or in the next million generations however let's just do it now and just mm. see what makes of it yeah. um and who's True. to say it, it didn't come all the way here and uh we might have brothers and sisters you know 30 solar systems away yeah. um way advanced than what we were but mm. um they're still our brothers and sisters and yeah yeah true it's probably miss you yeah. guys <laughs> It's probably their equivalent of uh, a message in a bottle, I guess. Is Absolutely. Sort of, you know, that's that's probably the best way to talk about it, Sam, I reckon. Yeah, message yeah. in a bottle, hope for the best, and yep. hopefully um, we become civilized enough and, you know, we get our, some technological advances um, sooner rather than later to say hi. Yep. Or, mm, or or they might be a bit more advanced because we did originate from, from that place and they might just come over and say hi. Yep. Have you been that's liking true. the packages we've been sending? And we can just say, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, express true. post. Probably uh, same speed as Australia Post, to be honest. Mm. Take Just no tracking years. number. Probably tight asses didn't pay for tracking. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, yeah, so um, under certain ideal uh, impact circumstances, so for example, into a body of water. Um, so as we said, you know, a lot of water on Earth, so plenty of room for uh, infiltration of organisms. Um, and uh, uh, ideal conditions on new planet surfaces, it is possible that surviving organisms could become active and begin to colonize their new environment. So I guess that's where um, this theory of panspermia um, sort of originates. It's, it's more like, you know, these organisms um, enter, enter, you know, the water, the, you know, the um, oceans and uh, on our planet. And from there, they formed into, you know, life, some kind of life forms. And obviously, this would have been over millions of years. We're not talking about, you know, 100 years and we've got humans from uh, some kind of plankton. Um, yeah. But it's taken a very long time. But, yeah, so apparently, yeah, in a body of water, of course, you know, it sort of makes sense that organisms uh, can grow in there. A lot of, uh, you know, microscopic uh, microscopic bacteria uh, lives in the ocean. So it would make sense. Yeah, I agree, Sam. And you know what? 
Earth is in the Goldilocks zone of our solar system, and we've touched on the Goldilocks zone mm. before where we're not too close to the sun, not too far away from it. We're in that perfect zone for yep. life to thrive. So maybe even a minute trace of bacteria or, an, or a living organism, all it needs is just for it to be in that perfect Goldilocks zone to thrive and prosper yeah. and mm-hmm. give it a million years, chuck a million years at it, and you'll just see what happens. That's right. Yep. That's, the, that's the beauty of life, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, spot on. Um, we're very lucky here on Earth. Don't get burnt and uh, don't freeze. Um, mm. Unless you're a pom in the Australian sun, that's for sure you get burnt. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, so there's been a, a bit of testing as well on this on these you know bacteria um, to see what they can withstand. So um, there's at least one report that finds uh, endospores from uh, a type of bacillus bacteria um, found in Morocco can survive being heated to 420 degrees Celsius. So that's wow, some, that's some hot. intense heat. Yeah, that's very hot. Um, so it's sort of, you know, it, it makes the argument for panspermia even stronger because, I mean, you know, on these asteroids that um, even if they're burning up or whatever and, um, can, you know, some hot, high temperatures, they can, they can withstand a lot. Um, and also <clears throat> there are some... You know, there's some research that uh, microorganisms and bacteria can survive in ice as well. So um, either way, uh, I think they're pretty, you know, pretty well suited to travel wherever they're like. Um, so, yeah, pan- panspermia uh, studies concentrate not only on how life began, but on methods that may distribute it uh, into the universe. So um, I guess... The question, uh, a big question is, I guess, where did this bacteria come from? Um, we, we'll get into a bit of that later on because I think it's a bit of a, you know, a never-ending uh, conversation and story because we may never know where it came from. But um, the chemistry uh, leading to life may have become, sh- uh, sorry, may have begun shortly after the Big Bang, which is obviously another, you know, the theory of the Big Bang, and um, which was 13.8 billion years ago. That's uh, it's a long time ago, Terry. Yeah, it's a very long time ago. But how do these people know it's exactly 13.8 billion years ago? Seriously, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Really? Did they just honestly pluck out the number out of their ass? Or the, what are they doing? Like, are they looking at the carbon footprints on Earth? And, and but how, how are we so intelligent now to mm. even guess that? No. Yeah. Surely it's a guesstimate, give or take a billion years. Oh, yeah. Maybe even how, can, how can we? Yeah, I was going to say, give or take five <laughs> billion years. Yeah. Seriously, it's crazy how we can just say, nah, the Big Bang happened 13.8 billion years ago. But the Big mm. Bang's one theory of life. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's just a theory. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a religion or someone else. Maybe, what about God? Yeah, Where, that's Where's right. his part? Or did he create the Big Bang? Mm. Yep, that's and true. And then who created him? Yeah, and I mean, religions, you don't hear them saying, oh, God was created uh, 13.5 billion years ago. I guess you know you can't really you can't really tell. I, yeah, I agree, Terry. I don't know how these people come up with these figures. Mm. Um, that's so long ago that how would you even have any idea of what anything on the Earth looked like? That how about how about this one, boys? Mm. Maybe time had a starting point. <laughs> Think about that. You know, time's infinite, wow. isn't it? That's true. It's constant that's point. Yep. But did time have a starting point? So if the original creator of everything that we have known to grow up on and live and mm. love and you know cherish yep was there did that creator have a starting point and that was when time started we yeah. don't know it's yeah that's a, again the never-ending story i think and the never-ending question 
where did this come from? And then where did the thing that created that come from? I don't know. It's, um, yeah, it gives you headaches and boy, you might need to pop a few pingers there to, you know, relieve that stress in the head, maybe a couple of Panadols. Hmm. Yep. That's right. Um, yeah. So, um, through, you know, though, well, the presence of life is, uh, you know, apparently, well, it is only confirmed on only on earth, um, because we haven't sort of found anything to, uh, suggest that there's any life elsewhere yet, which I don't know. Hopefully, in our lifetime, we'll there are um, microorganisms on Mars and all that sort of shit. Well, but not actual, not real physically yeah, not massive life, life. Life, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, spot on. Um, but yeah, some scientists think that uh, extraterrestrial life um, is not only plausible but probable or inevitable. So they're they're thinking that you know there has to be something else out there and. Um, I think you have to have an open mind with this kind of stuff because, like we said before, is Earth the only you know planet that has um, has uh, come into contact with these organisms that have created uh, animals and you know it's just crazy. You can't. Yeah, really... sure, surely there's been other asteroids and yeah. meteorites and comets that have collided with the other planets out there. However, yep. did they collide with a planet that was in a habitable zone, Sam? That's the real mm, question. That's true. Or you know, looking at that Morocco study where one of the organisms actually withstood 420 degrees, which means potentially, you know, um, any planets closer to a star or to a sun, it could withstand that as well. Yeah. Um, but not too sure what kind of life that might be. Yeah. But yeah. it could be a very uh, heat-resistant life um, that would mm. really thrive in those conditions. And then maybe, you know, a nice 30-degree day here would be freezing cold for them. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point, actually. Um yeah, well, I mean, we're trying to, as as humans, we're trying to explore that um, that theory that you know there are um, other planets and other beings out there. Um, we've we've sort of you know we said um, maybe there, there's some messages in bottles that have been sent to us with you know microorganisms. We are actually you know um, trying to do a similar thing and detect uh, radio transmissions from possible uh, extraterrestrial civilizations. So we're trying to. You know, we've there are um, some projects out there that are just trying to, you know, see if there's anything out there in, in space, um, any kind of communication, transmission. Um, and also, I believe, you know, uh, we're trying to send out transmissions and to, to see if, you know, there's any anyone receives them. So I guess we're doing a similar thing if, if the um, microorganisms um, being sent to Earth is a thing, is a thing. We're trying to sort of do that that same thing back just with radio transmissions but the problem is there i guess terry how do you know that these transmissions are going to be picked up by another civilization yeah exactly uh, do- that's, that's the interesting thing sam because yeah you know we have created technology called yep. you know radios and radio, and radio yep. signals but how do we know they don't have another technology that doesn't rely upon radio yep. waves and signals yeah. they've got something else that you need to visually see maybe to, mm. to pick up Yep. So we're working on audio vibrations and radio wave signals. They might be, you know, relying upon tangible visual things to yeah. pick up messages. And then we're both, you know, going to extreme efforts to sort of communicate with each other, but we're not communicating through the right means. That's right. Yep. Exactly. Um, whereas it's different, you know, different countries have different languages, but it's all verbally communicated through the mouth. Mm. Yep. Right. That's right. But what happens if you had someone, you know, from China communicating with their hands for the first time meeting the indigenous people of Australia communicating yeah. through their mouth? How mm. much harder would that be to translate? 
yeah, or to even pick up. Mm, exactly. So it could be the same thing. One, you know, we've got one race, for example, communicating with their hands, mm. um, silent. The other one, you know, making a big loud noise, yep. but not moving yeah. too much. Yeah, well, that's um, right. And I guess we can't even see whoever's on the other end of that transmission anyway. So, yeah, that's like you said, you know, you, you can't even attempt to make a visual um, communication because you can't right. see anything. So you're, you're relying on another civilization having the same, even the same, you know, um, wavelengths and like they have the same hearing as us too. Yes, because, exactly. you know, dogs and other animals have different, you know, capacities to to hear different noises that humans can't hear maybe maybe you know this another planet um there's a a race that it's just a real high frequency that we can't even hear so interesting um and a lot to think about now Mm, some crazy shit there very yeah um and obviously yeah there's some there's some credibility to this um theory terry um but with any theory you're going to have critics um, and I know you, you hate people criticizing sometimes. Mm. Yeah, um, I do have a go at some critics out there that provide mm. some really pointless commentary. But, you know, I think it's worthwhile, you know, we. I'm actually supportive of this theory. Not that I say that it's the only theory of how life created, but I actually mm. think it may have contributed to some of the things that have happened on Earth. Yep. Um, so I actually think maybe the way life started on Earth could be a, a, you know, a combination of a, a few theories. Mm-hmm. You know, chucking some evolution, a sprinkle yeah. of panspermia and some other things there and yep. away we go. We've got life. But, um, yeah, some criticism and I think it's it's only fair that we look at both sides of the argument. Um, yep. You know? And so some criticism. Panspermia, well, it's often criticised because it does actually, doesn't actually answer the question of the origin of life. It merely places it on another celestial body. Mm-hmm. So it really just says or it doesn't answer the creation of life of, you know, how life is created, but what it mm. does just suggest, it just deflects and says, oh, well, what, how life started here on Earth came from somewhere else, but then yeah. where did it come from? Yeah, doesn't, that's right. doesn't actually consider that too much. No. Um, yeah, we've got some suggestions and ideas that maybe, as a, you know, as you said, Sam, uh, mm. maybe planting, you know, a message in a bottle type yep. of scenario where another life form has sprinkled some, you know, space dust, um, just to put it in layman's terms, mm. on some asteroids and used those... Yep asteroids and comets and you know meteorites as a vehicle as a mm. vessel to transport that throughout the galaxy that's right um but then who created those people exactly those, yeah. who created those entities mm. well yeah mm. so yeah it is deflecting and and, and i can understand that criticism because yeah. it's just it gives an answer to one thing but then creates a question for another yeah well that the i i agree definitely but i think every um you know Every creation theory has that problem because, all right, you look at religion and you say, all right, God created everyone. Well, who created God then? You know, mm. it's you look at the Big Bang theory. All right, so the Big Bang happened and, you know, whatever these organisms, this, I don't know, atoms crashed together and whatever. So who created these asteroids that, you know, collided with well, each the other? Well, the Big Bang come from a little speck of energy. Yeah. Who created that speck of energy which yeah. blew up? That's right. So you just, it, I think it's just, you know, you can criticize it for that. But again, I think every theory is going to have that same issue. So, you know what? You're actually spot on, Sam. Mm. Every theory's got a flaw or yeah. has a loophole or just has a point to where it's like a roadblock. You can't yeah. get further without asking or asking more questions. That's right. Yep. Spot. Oh, so this is a criticism, of course, as you can apply that same criticism to other theories as well. Mm-hmm. Um, valid criticism. And of course, Valid comments from yourself, you. Sam. Well done. Cheers. Um, so another criticism. Well, 
I guess it was thought that it could not be tested experimentally. So some results that, you know, that show microorganisms can survive in space and can be used to support the theory. Well, you know, some people have said that, you know, I guess the tests weren't conducted appropriately or, mm. you know, prior to the some of the modern day, I guess, testing that we do have and the technology that we have to sort of get these experiments underway. But that was criticized that it couldn't never have been tested, but that was sort yep. of debunked um, most recently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess that criticism, you can sort of wipe your ass to that one. Um, <laughs> yep. And I guess, you know, for those that are religious and all that sort of stuff, you know, this isn't going to be the most popular theory. Yeah. Um, I guess for you know for those people who do not believe that there's life outside of Earth. Mm-hmm. However, I think we ha- nowadays, especially with you know our space exploration programs and and what we know, mm-hmm. and just a lot of mis- you know mysterious things that are popping up here and there, I think we have to be pretty naive and especially now grasping the fact of how big the universe potentially is, and we could be one of many universes in the multiverse. Mm, yep. So as big as the universe is, that is just one maybe little, you know, speck of sand on a real big beach in yep. terms of how big the multiverse could even be, yeah, let alone yeah. a universe. And to be, I think it's pretty naive to think that we're all that exists. Mm, that's right. So, yep. you know, that once again, a criticism on the theory, but only from a certain, you know, certain religious groups and those that don't believe life mm, exists anywhere else. Mm. Yeah, well, with those uh, religious groups, I guess, yeah, like, I mean, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm Catholic, um, you're Orthodox, Terry, I think we can disclose that, that's that's fine, um, we're, we're part of... How, how dare um, you? Yeah, <laughs> we're part of... Who do you think you are? Well, I, I'm just stating the facts here on, on the pod. Um, okay. You know, we, we uh, obviously, yeah, are part of religious groups, but... I think, like you said, Terry, yeah, it's it's we sort of got to the stage where you sort of have to look at the other, you know, or look at the information that we're getting now. Um, and also, you know, the religions can be, you know, maybe they were based on on uh, extraterrestrial beings. I think we've mentioned it before, but you know, like something that looks, uh, you know, or you know, unreal. Of course, you know, in religion, there's a lot of things that you're reading, like oh, that, you know, it's just a bit of a tale. It didn't really happen, or you know, they're, they're maybe just uh, putting a bit of mayo on it. Um, maybe you know, maybe these some kind of beings were or did create, you know, the the race that we call humans. Um, and religion is just sort of uh, preaching that gospel, but obviously in a different way. Uh, yeah. In a way, in a way that you know, you don't want to sort of um say that we came from an organism or something you know it's yeah it's interesting though well you know we still don't have any answers so that means maybe the religious groups are right maybe religion is correct Mm. um but which religion that's that's the other issue um so without getting into any political arguments there so they all have their own little twist on how life began and who was the creator Whereas this one here is, it's just pretty simple, but it doesn't actually say where life started from. Yeah, it just sort of says how life started here. Yep, on True. Earth. Mm, great point. Um, very good point. So we've obviously covered the uh, the content, um, and you know the the facts, um, and the findings. So yes, probably our, our favorite part of the uh, you know our podcast, Terry, just a bit of discussion between us two and. And this is where we provide maybe our opinions as well. Um, so we, we've sort of touched on these already, but I reckon uh, I'd like to get, you know, your opinion and maybe share some opinions on this as well. Yeah. 
Do you personally think um, that Earth could have been intentionally created by another species, like we said, um, with you know by by another race from another planet sending these microorganisms um, to our planet? Do you so think like that's a, possible? So like an intentional direct panspermia. Yes, yes. So, so like where they, they targeted Earth, they directed this asteroid or this vehicle mm-hmm. to carry these organisms straight here because they knew it would thrive. Yes. Um, I'm not sure I believe that. I think it was just by chance that, you know, maybe life did come here through panspermia. Mm-hmm. I, yep. I think panspermia, there is some credibility to that. And I think um, panspermia has contributed to life on Earth. I don't think it's the sole um, mm-hmm. explanation of how life did start on Earth. But yep. I think it's a contributing factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it was direct or intentional. I just think maybe it might have been intentional by those that put the organisms on there, mm-hmm. on these things. Yep. That might be intentional, but actually sending it here. Yep. Well, because, well, I mean, unless you believe in UFOs and aliens, still we haven't had anything of material substance to suggest that, you know, Anyone's come here to say, oh, did, you know, did our direct panspermia ship come here and crash here and how's it going? Mm-hmm. Or unless they're watching us in another way that we can't detect yet. Mm, we don't know. True. Well, so I then guess... I'm sort of backflipping on my actual original thing there. <laughs> yeah, sure. it's, it's, I, I don't know, Sam. I'm, I'm stunned. Yeah. Headache now. It's hard to really comprehend this stuff, isn't it? Um, mm, it is. But yeah. What I, do you think? What do you think? I, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I sort of. Oh, it could it could be because you think about it. All right, yeah, maybe these these create so called creators, whoever's you know, um, you know, put the uh, fertilizer on the earth, so to speak. Yep. Um, they haven't returned. But how old is the earth? We're talking millions or billions or whatever years. Yeah. So in the scheme of things, human race has been around for a fraction of of the life of Earth. So maybe these people just you know maybe it takes them. Uh, 10 or I don't know maybe it takes them a million years to get here or maybe it took them a million years to get here do you reckon they used earth as like an experiment like like a mm. bit of a lab like you know they they sent a seed you know millions of years ago and out of that seed came the dinosaurs mm. and then they were extinct and they thought oh that seed didn't work so let's no. plant another one try something so, else yeah and Quite obviously the, yeah the, the second seed has, uh, has been going pretty well so far um, mm. not sure yep. if it's a uh, failed experiment or not but we're looking mm. pretty good yeah. um so yeah good on you guys the second seed really works thumbs up <laughs> if you can see it beauty mm. well and that's the other thing i guess terry we might think it's a success but like i said we the human race hasn't been around for very long in the scheme of things when you look at you know the materiality of how long we've been here and how long the earth's been here maybe maybe there was another species here before us of, of humans um that lived for 10,000 years and we just didn't know about it and then they I don't know something happened maybe the dinosaurs came and um and wiped all them out yeah well something happened you know you just don't know it's it's we have a lot of questions and a lot of theories but answers very scarce no that's right um I got one for you does Mm. panspermia tie in with evolution theory and the big bang or let's just focus on evolution so you know there's some examples of evolution saying that you know humans may have come from an organism in the ocean mm-hmm. then we sort of landed on the beach um, yep. we had four legs and a tail lost the you know started developing you know legs and arms instead of just the four feet 
mm-hmm. went to the jungle, then lost the tail, then you know lost the hair and all that sort of stuff. Or yeah. giraffes, only the tall necked giraffes who could get the vegetation, um, yeah. and the greens on the top of, of the canopy of the you know the forest that could get access to food survived, and mm-hmm. the shorter necked giraffes got extinct. All yep. these little mini uh, examples of evolution. Yep. Um, how does panspermia tie in with that, or do you think it ties in with it? Yeah, I think it does because, um, you know, when we're talking about panspermia and you know, organisms coming from outer space, um, they say that, yeah, the perfect environment is the ocean, is, is water. So um, it would make sense that, you know, organisms start in the ocean. Um, maybe there wasn't a lot of life on the actual land um, many years ago. Maybe it was all in the ocean and then slowly, slowly it, um, it formed from there. But I, I don't know, yeah, I don't know about the whole... Um, uh, you know, it started from the ocean, crawled onto a beach, basically. I mean, I suppose it, it, we're talking about you know probably millions of years it's taken, but I don't know. It's very but interesting. It, but if if Charles Darwin was right that we did start mm. from the ocean as a microorganism, who put the organism there? Yes, that's the other question. Yep. So well, I just guess all, all, like out of nowhere, there was all these like living organisms in the ocean. Just out, yep. out of by happenstance, there was just all these organisms, mm. and then just one of them decided one day, oh, let's just go on the beach and, and start looking around. Exactly, yeah. It's it, yeah, it's weird. Mm. And then I guess where to from here then? If if we're the surely we can't be the finished product. Surely, imagine evolution with humans yeah. starting from the ocean as an organism. Do you ever mm. reckon we might go back to the ocean? Mm. Start yeah, maybe like mermaids in the under undersea world. Yep. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, that's that's. Well, you never know. In a million years, if the human race is still here, if the Earth is still here, who knows? Like we could maybe transform into I don't know some kind of intelligent beings that can travel space and you know travel to different um, yeah um, planets and yeah. Oh, well, I mean, we've traveled to planets, but maybe different universes and, and things like that. Um, maybe so, maybe even grow a third leg. <laughs> Yeah, for those that don't already have one. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what about? Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll give you. Let me, uh, you know, fire one back at you then, Terry. Do you think we will? Do you think we will ever discover life um, on another planet and potentially prove this theory that you know it, this um, organisms and these microorganisms came from somewhere? All right, I'm going to give you a very succinct and concise answer. Then I'm going to elaborate. <laughs> yes. Um, so now let's elaborate. Well, the closest planet that we have to mm-hmm. Earth and our nearest neighbor is Mars. And already, yeah. without even having men or women go there mm-hmm. with our probes and our, you know, little um, spaceship beacons and all these testing devices that have gone yeah. there, have already detected that microorganisms have existed. Yeah. And also, other things may have existed once upon a time on, um, yeah. on Mars. So already, our nearest neighbor's got some sort of little growing thing on there little yeah. little bits of life right yeah yep. um nothing look when you say life we're looking at cats and dogs and humans yeah, yeah. and all that but microorganisms i guess under the definition under the umbrella do count as life so yes. already the nearest neighbor that we have mm-hmm. and the, the closest to earth that we have like which is mars mm-hmm. and obviously we can only go to that particular planet in our point in humanity yep already shows signs of life so who's to right. suggest 
not only in other planets in this solar system may have life of some you know degree, mm-hmm. but other solar systems. And how about those planets in those solar systems yeah. inside the Goldilocks habitable zones have mm-hmm. life there? Yeah. Unfortunately, we just don't have the telescopes or the visual capacity no, um, to that. see that closely. Mm. But one day we will, Sam, and one day that theory is going to be proven corrected that we are not alone. Yes. I, I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think it, there's no way um, that there's one planet with, you know, intelligent life, we'll call it, I guess, rather than yep. just organisms. I don't think there's one planet um, with, yeah, intelligent life when you're talking about millions and billions of different planets um, with the potential to to have, you know, I mean, maybe not human beings, but some kind of other, um, you know, being. Um, and maybe, yeah, like you said, Terry, with Mars, apparently Mars, I reckon, used to be very similar to Earth and it had, um, you know, had oceans, it had, uh, you know, vegetation. An atmosphere. An atmosphere, of course, you need the atmosphere to, um, you know, to produce life. Apparently, you know, it was like Earth. Maybe, maybe we've been hopping from planet to planet as a species, Mm, maybe that's, that's, that's a very good one, actually. Yeah, yeah. maybe we're maybe we're planet hopping. Yeah, maybe we were on Mars before, um, and then Mars. You know, our human beings. We, we've you know demolished a lot of things in our time, um, including you know these uh, ice caps that melt and def- you know forestation and whatever. Maybe we just got to the point where that that planet was just really exhausted and and couldn't take it anymore. So we mm. just got to the point where we could send some uh, humans over or some kind of um, you know, organisms over to another planet and uh, start it again. Could, we could be planet, you know, being on a bit of a planet crawl. People go yeah. on pub crawls and we're just on a bit of a planet crawl. Yeah. That, you know, there is another theory that suggests that each star will eventually expire and, and they do eventually burn out, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Who's to say we didn't start all the way back at Pluto when the sun was really strong and hot? Mm. Yep. And then as it's starting to weaken... Yeah. which might take, you know, billions of years to weaken slowly, slowly. We've been moving from, you know, Pluto to Saturn, yeah. yep. um, I guess, to Jupiter and all these planets. So along mm. the way, we've just been moving and moving. Yeah. And those planets have changed since we've left them because the temperatures changed so much. That's right. They've reacted differently. However, the habitable zone's getting closer and closer to the sun as the sun's getting cooler and cooler. Mm. Exactly. Who's to say next we're not going to Venus or yeah. then after that Mercury and then that's maybe right. just even live in the sun for a bit. Yeah. Well, that's right. Who knows where we've been really. Mm. Um, it's like sitting on the stove with your bare ass. Like, that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be zesty. Well, wow. when, you think, when you think about it, Terry, as well, with like where we're, tra- you know, humans are trying to um, get to Mars and, and trying to, you know, explore Mars more. Um, just think about like, you know, maybe eventually when Earth, I don't know, maybe just falls off the cliff, so to speak, and, and uh, I don't know, we'll run out of water or something, and I don't know, resources are running dry and looks like the Earth's on its last legs. Just say we can, at that stage, then safely transport people to Mars or um, to another planet safely and, and, you know, efficiently. Just say we can take like a few, I don't know, a few thousand people there um, every month. And we just start going. All right, we're gonna we're gonna start offloading people to this other planet mm. and start from scratch on that planet. I mean, we're not gonna. You'll basically start from scratch because there's there's nothing there. There's no buildings. There's no infrastructure. There's nothing really there. You got to find everything. You got to find resources. Yeah. Who's to say maybe it's just transitioning over and then you leave that planet and all right, we're on to a new one. 
So maybe what you're just suggesting there, if maybe we start diverting a few people to Mars, yeah, that in itself could be panspermia. Maybe yeah. it could be planting our own seed somewhere else. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Not an actual seed in the ground, like as you do when you plant your nice, you know, your happy herbs and all that sort of fun stuff. Mm. Um, but also just maybe putting people there and starting from scratch again. Mm, yep. Exactly. That's wow. Plenty to think there, Sam, isn't it? Um, Definitely. You're I'm really like... pouring out a lot of concrete tonight. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I, I reckon I'm all out of the concrete anyway. Um, mm. The truck's uh, empty, and I think, uh, yeah, well, uh, it's, I'm not going to sleep for a week thinking about that. Yeah, you haven't even had coffee. No, that's right. Yeah. Did you know um, just quickly, um, yep. just to I guess to in, inform the listeners, pretty off topic, but cement is actually the ingredient of concrete, and concrete is basically the mix mixture of aggregates and paste. Yes, yep. So right. just uh, yeah. letting you know a few things there that, you know, cement's the ingredient and concrete yes. is the mixture. Yes, that's right. Mm. Nice. Forgot about that. Nice pasty mixture there. Beautiful. Oh, um, if you don't have anything anything else to add that's relevant there, Terry, um, I think we'll uh, <laughs> sign off on that, Ben <laughs> I've, um I've got a lot of things to add that aren't relevant, so I guess we maybe just cut it <laughs> short right here, right now. <laughs> no worries. Um, something that is relevant though, socials. Yes, at Turnstones Pod. That's what it is, isn't it? That's the one, at Turnstones Pod. Yeah. Hit us up. We're on Instagram and Twitter, at Turnstones Pod. What is it again, Sam? At Turnstones Pod. Thank you. Bloody eighth. Get around it. Give us a follow and uh, make sure, whichever way you like to listen to our podcast, support those guys, support us and... Uh, yeah, whether it's Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Castbox, mm-hmm. or you're just you know getting off the dark web at Dot Onion, some sort of fishy, dodgy apparatus, whatever way you're listening to us, good on you.